Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hi, thanks for joining us for another edition of Reach for Hope. I'm Melissa Anderson. You know, our youth are among our greatest assets when it comes to our future. And they're also among the highest risk for suicide, especially here in Utah. Right now, I understand that suicide's the leading cause of death by youth ages 10 to 19, which is astounding to me. Now, with us here today are the Hope Squad members that are trying to give a positive impact to our schools and our nation when it comes to suicide prevention. We have Faye Dutson from Snow Canyon High School, Hope Squad, and Britton Vincent from Desert High School, Hope Squad. Welcome to both of you, and thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Melissa. And getting off off of school today. (laughs) First of all, Faye, you've been on this show before. Um, Remind us again, or our viewers, and our listeners, uh, what Hope Squad is and uh, what does it do? So basically, Hope Squad is a group within a school that is based around um, suicide prevention and creating a positive space in the school, which further contributes to suicide prevention within that community. Yeah, and it's peer-based, so it's peer-to-peer, so it's students Basically helping students, correct? Yes, because we are the students in the Hope Squad group who students, if they were in crisis, would reach out to. So the fact that we're trained just adds on to the fact that people will be prevented from committing suicide once they reach out to us. Right. And Britton, how many then um, Hope Squad members are there usually in each school? So it varies um, depending on the school. For example, my school has about 50 members, so it just depends on the school's needs and its size. And how are they chosen then? How do you get on this Hope Squad? So it's usually nomination-based, and other students will nominate who they think would be helpful on Hope Squad. And um, it's a really good way to... um, let students know who they can reach out to because they're already comfortable with those people. Yeah. And so can a school start their own Hope Squad or how did your school get started? Do you know? Um, so if you want to start a Hope Squad, then you can reach out to um, Utah Hope Squad Coalition and they put you through QPR training, which is question, persuasion and report. And then they teach the other students and they are able to train other students to help. That's great. So they can probably go on a website then to find that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, right now there are hope squads, I understand, in 39 states and even in Canada. So this is really taken off. Uh, And judging by the map, many of them are throughout the Western states. Um, Faye, I understand that you uh, also receive Hope Squad training. Tell us a little bit about that and when it happens and, and, and like as you said, it's why it's important. So Hope Squad training in our region, we do it in later October, and we actually have over 500 students attending this time. So we're spanning it out over two days. 
And it's basically just um, for all the schools to come together and become educated on what it means to be a Hope Squad and important skills that they as a team and individual should have in order to have a functioning Hope Squad. Yeah, so it's two-day training and you get to learn all about what she was talking about, question, prefer, and uh, Refer and persuade, persuade, refer backwards. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, so I know there's several schools that are in Hope Squads in Washington T- County. Do you? Th- why do you think that Hope Squad is is uh, so important to your school and and to these other schools that come together once a year to do this? Well, like I said earlier, in general, it just creates a positive atmosphere at school. These are the kids who smile in the hallway every day at you and who make your class better just by adding little positive comments. And basically, in general, I feel like my school is a better place because we have a Hope Squad who is there. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're a part of something. Yes. And Britain is a Hope Squad a burden on then uh, members like you because you have to smile all the time or, or, you know, you have to be that kid that someone has to come that maybe would come up to you. Yeah, um, it can seem like a lot of pressure when you first join, for sure. Um, but once you get trained and you get familiar and you know you have a plan for what you're going to do if anyone comes to you for suicide, then I think it's a lot easier. And mostly there's a big emphasis on students just being friendly and being themselves with other students. Yeah. So you just have to be nice and be kind Mm -hmm. and smile and be pretty like you are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, stop it. (laughs) I understand there are 1,200 Hope Squads nationwide. That seems like a lot, maybe more by now. And by looking at uh, a map, we see that Utah is more than likely has more Hope Squads than anywhere in the nation. This is huge news, and it's great to hear about that. Tell me um, why you think that this is making an impression nationwide and why Utah is kind of leading the way. Um, I think that a lot of, oh, sorry, really good Hope Squads have originated in Utah. And I think that um, Reach for Hope contributes to that a lot. But Utah um, statistically has one of the higher suicide rates. So I think that we do such big, important work here to help with that statistic. And I think that basically Utah has just become an example of how to do it well. That's great. We always like to lead the way here in Utah. And Britain, Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of media attention over the last year or two about Hope Squads and how they're making this difference that, that Faye's talking about when it comes to mental health among youth. And even when it comes to COVID, do you think there was an increase um, amongst uh, our students uh, when they were isolated and, and kind of down? Um, yeah, for sure. I think COVID affected almost everybody's mental health, like just a lot of people. And so it's great to be back and to have a Hope Squad. And um, it's just really a good resource for students to reach out to. Yeah. And do you get a lot of reciprocation with that? Do you, do you hear or see a lot of kids saying, we're glad that you guys are back and, and it because everybody's back now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's had a really good influence on our schools. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Faye and uh, I understand both you and Britain are on the Washington County Youth um, Coalition. And tell us about that and what that does and how these two um, coincide together. May I? Yeah. Okay. So basically, there is a very strong correlation between um, students who uh, may have suicidal thoughts and students who use substances. 
Um, it is statistically proven that students who use substances are more likely to experience anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. And on the other side of that coin, students who may feel anxious, depressed, or have suicidal thoughts may turn to um, substances as a coping mechanism. And neither of these things are great for youth. So both of our coalitions work hand in hand in that prevention state, keeping both out of the youth mind. And we know that alcohol and drugs actually are depressants, even though it might feel, make fee- people feel good and high and yes, whatever. It's a moment high and it's actually like rewiring your brain to need that in order to be happy it's so unfortunate because you're high or you're drunk for just a short amount of time but it's depressing you for the rest of the time that you're sober so that you no longer want to be sober right so you want to go back to that and that's where the addiction comes in yes uh, and Britain there's been a lot of talk about resilience um, and I don't know. Can you teach resilience? Is is resilience something that you learn? Is it a learned behavior? Or do you think it's something that you you just use, like she said, drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism if you don't know how to respond or react to something? Um, I think resilience can vary depending on people's experiences, but I do think it can be learned and it can be developed. Um, we have lessons and things we teach in Hop Squad, such as self-care and like setting boundaries and things like that, that can really help build resilience. Yeah. And that's not being selfish. Yeah. No. no. I mean, that's actually taking care of yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kind of like taking a selfie. Yeah. (laughs) If I may, there was a resilience symposium in Southern Utah. Um, I want to say way earlier this year, and an old member of the Washington County Youth Coalition, Zach Moore, he gave an amazing talk about um, resilience. And I think he put it really well when he say that all youth have the potential to be resilient and resiliency is great as long as you have you're given the capacity to be resilient. So as long as having tough times essentially isn't bad because you're learning from that experience. Yeah, we all need to learn from our experiences. Otherwise, we just redo it. Right. We don't, we don't want to always go backwards. <laughs> uh, Britton, then do you have any stories that you might share on how your experience as a, as a Reach for Hope, Hope Squad um, person, member, uh, may have had an experience of how someone might have reached out to you or you might have helped someone? Um, fortunately, no one's ever had to come to me for suicide. Um I have had like a couple friends come to me just about like mental health issues and things like that. And because I'm in Hope Squad and I have that training, I feel like I can better help them. So it's been a huge blessing. What kind of coping skills then do you tell them to use? Like I've heard, take a deep breath, <laughs> breathe out. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, sometimes I tell them just make sure to take a break every once in a while. Don't overdo yourself, especially if you're stressed or anxious. Definitely just take a step back and have some time for yourself. Take a chill pill. Don't be so serious. Yeah. I mean, life does go on and there is tomorrow and you will wake up. Mm-hmm. Right. Faye, it's always tough to ask that question that we were talking about before that Britton brought up. Are you thinking of taking your own life or do you have a plan to? And so how has QPR helped make this things easier for you? Mm -hmm. Well, QPR is one of the most like basic trainings that you receive as a Hope Squad member, and it is super valuable. Like Britton said earlier, QPR stands for question, persuade, refer. And that first letter is question. So when you see someone who's experiencing the warning signs of suicide, the first thing you do is say, hey, 
have you been considering taking your own life? Like, are you having suicidal thoughts? Because if you are, I would like to help you. Right. Have you had any experiences with that where you've had to refer anybody? Yes, I've had experiences where I've had to um, talk my peers out of crisis and it's super sad. And I'm just so grateful that I have these trainings because if someone had reached out to me and I wasn't trained in how to talk them out of that situation, then who knows what would have happened. Yeah, it's kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for, for sharing that. Now, Britton, what other tools then can students use in Utah to be able to um, reach out for help if they don't come to one of you? So a tool I like to use is the Safe UT app, and it's super easy, and it's just a great thing to have in your pocket. Um, basically, at any point, you can start a chat or a call with a counselor on the Safe UT app, or you could, you could leave an anonymous tip um, at your school just about someone you're concerned about. And I understand that's being used more and more. And then we also have the mm -hmm. Live On campaign, yes. which we've heard a lot yeah. about. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so they have an Instagram page where they basically have set up 10 lessons about suicide prevention and anyone can watch them. You can binge through all of them if you would like to, but they're designed to be once a week for every 10 weeks. And since we're on social media all the time as youth, this is a great way to reach out or to, you know, get feedback and be able to actually do that. There's also a new nine, number, 988, which we've been waiting for. Yes. Um, how has this made a difference, do you think, um, in, in the crisis support line? Either one of you can answer this one. May I? Mm-hmm. So the 988 number is because it is a national number that anybody can call and instantly um, be given mental health support for people who are in crisis. And it's so amazing because with a resource like this that's so widely known and widely accessible, we can just prevent so many more suicides in our nation. And you can text that number as well, right? Yes. Do, you, do you think this is going to make a difference? I mean, it's only been out since July, so... I think it's going to make a difference, and I surely hope it has made a difference already. Yeah. There's always a stigma, or there has been in the past, about mental health. Mm -hmm. Britton, do you think that that stigma is being broken and that we're trying to finally break through with mental health? I believe so, yes. Especially when Hope Squad is made up of all these students, then other students can learn and they can see that it's okay and it's even encouraged to have mental health checkups and to be open and vulnerable and ready to talk about mental health. Yeah, we just saw some kids on there from Pine Pine uh, Hills or Pine Pine School. What is it? Pine, Pine View? View? Pine View School. They were jumping up in the air going, hey, woohoo. That's awesome. I mean, it's really a good idea to to take it as a positive mental thing and, and mm -hmm. just like you do if you have a broken leg or something. Faye, we know that bullying has been one of the biggest problems uh, for people who have had, you know, mental health crisis. Tell us a little bit about how social media plays into that and how it's been a really struggle over the years, but are we getting kind of a handle on that? I would say yes, we're getting a handle on it because there are just so many um, mental health resources and, ad and mental health advocates on social media now. And Social media does play a big role in cyberbullying just because there is a screen there and you feel like that you're safe to say things to others that you wouldn't say in person behind a screen. But 
on the other side of that, there is just so much more social media that's dedicated to improving mental health that as long as you can access those resources, you'll be able to balance it out. And what are some of the signs then that maybe somebody's being bullied or some of the signs that someone might be thinking about taking their own life, life, um, maybe warning signs that Mm -hmm. we might see on social media? Well, one of my philosophies is that everyone has a story and that you never really know what someone's going through. So anyone can be having suicidal thoughts, but some of the more um, common um, signs that someone may be considering suicide is saying things like, oh, that won't matter for long, giving away their things so that they have a home when they're gone, being distant, being quiet, just overall not acting like themselves. And some people tend to chalk this up to, oh, they're just tired or, oh, and especially if they've gone through a tragedy or something uh, recently in their life, like a breakup or they failed a test or someone in their family died, those um, situations can influence someone to have suicidal thoughts. Yeah, trigger it. And that isolation is not good. We actually need to invite them out to do things Yes, in order to get them out of that. Um, and that's another sign if they won't go anywhere, if they won't do the things that they used to do. And all of a sudden they're, they're kind of stuck and struggling. Uh-huh. That's uh, when you refer to the QPR and you say, have you been considering suicide? How can I help you? So how do we set up a plan or a safety plan to, to um, those who might be experiencing suicidal thoughts? Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, a safety plan is basically a list you make beforehand of mental health resources and healthy coping mechanisms for someone who think they may go into crisis eventually or have that prepared for if they do um, enter a crisis situation. So creating a safety plan is very easy. Just find the things that make you happy. Find the things you enjoy. Find the people in your life who you would talk to if you were in crisis and prepare those things beforehand. So in a time of need, you have that ready to go. So you can do this for yourself. Yes, you can do it for yourself. You can do it for your friends who you are worried about. You can do it for your siblings just in case. You can do it for anybody. That's a great idea to, to do that, to come out and say, hey, you know, if you ever have a problem, come talk to me or talk to someone. Because a lot of times it's hard to talk to family members or people who are too close to you. You uh-huh. don't want to tell them your problems, but also people might not want to talk to a stranger who don't know anything about them and they think they don't care too. Uh-huh. And that's why we have hope squads to have those youth there who are can relate to you, who understand what you're going through and who are there for you at the same times you may need it. Yeah. Mentors. That's great. Britton, what types of things does Hope Squad and WCYC encourage youth to do to keep from misusing or uh, substances and, and abusing drugs and alcohol that they might have to deal with? Um, so in both Hope Squad and WCYC, there's an emphasis on educating people about both suicide and substance abuse. And so when we educate people, then the community gets more involved and they can support Hope Squad and WCYC. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. They say that a family eats together, stays together. And I think that parents take a, should take a bigger role in all of this, too, when it comes to, um, you know, helping our kids uh, feel wanted or, or listened to, um, paid attention to. And they might be able to deal with some of these things in their struggles before it gets to that point of where they're thinking bad thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is another organization called Parents Empowered that their main thing is basically parent involvement, but they have a specific emphasis on preventing alcohol abuse in youth. Um, And they have 
studies that confirm that a parent is the number one influence in a child's life on what they will think is good or bad and what they will choose to do or not to do. So parents definitely have a large role in preventing um, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, all of that in their child's lives. Yeah. So we just need to pay attention to some of those warning signs and, and listen and, and, and be listened to because um, sometimes maybe we feel ignored or our parents are too busy mm-hmm. or, or we're all too busy running around doing our thing. So uh, the, the one thing I've noticed is a lot of kids are on social media and they're just constantly looking at their phone and they're not paying attention to what someone might be trying to tell them. Mm-hmm. And that's not right either. Sometimes we need to put that phone aside, which has been proven to cause more problems sometimes than, that, than it does because your life might not reflect what someone else's life reflects on social media, mm-hmm. which could be a lie or a false front. And I think that that's a good idea to maybe limit that use of that phone as well, social media. Yes. Some students, um, some some youth, uh, if they are overly addicted to their phones, then taking away that phone or limiting use for a time might increase thoughts of suicide. But long term, if you can get them out of their hands for just a little bit every day until they eventually learn to have coping mechanisms that don't require the phone, then that's probably better. Yeah. And phones... Uh, kind of can be addictive. I know if I lose Definitely. my phone, I'm like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? It mm-hmm. might even be in my hand. I know. And I'm like, ah, what was that about? Your brain becomes used to something, mm-hmm. whether it's alcohol, drugs, phones, um, mm-hmm. TV screens, movies, I don't know, whatever your addiction is. And we need to find a way to break break that uh, connection and create a different connection in our brain. How, I don't know how we do that, but I have that problem too. <laughs> it's something you're used to. Yeah, no, definitely most people are codependent on their phones, especially for communication. And it's so hard when you're kind of like in a profession that requires constant communication and stuff like that. And even like when we help students in crisis, a lot of the times how they contact us is over the phone. So, Yeah, because they're always on it. So maybe that pop-up reminder, how are you feeling today? How are you doing today? And I know there's a Schools Plus program that does a lot of that too that we've talked about on this program before that is very helpful in Mm -hmm. allowing students and youth to understand that and even maybe adults. Um, Britton, how can the community then become more involved in suicide prevention or even support Hope Squads uh, and WCYC in our schools? Um, like I said earlier, I think um, just getting them educated about everything is a great way. Um, going to activities and fundraisers, that type of thing, and just making parents aware is a huge thing. So does WCYC and Reach for or Hope, your uh, Hope Squads, have activities that people can become involved in? Yes. They do? So, yeah. Um, WCYC and Hope Squads... So Hope Squads have something at their schools called Hope Week, and each schools can each school can participate in their own Hope Week. And outside of Hope Week, Hope Squads are usually doing activities outside of that to promote mental wellness in the school. 
Um, and as for WCYC, we do a lot of activities because one of our goals is community outreach. So often you'll see us doing booths at events. Um, this Friday, we're going to Staley Farms to hold a booth. So where families and youth will especially be, we'll be doing checks there to make sure no one's using substances. We are out in the community and there's lots of opportunities for them to um, meet with us. So how would someone get a hold of you or find out about these events? Do they go on Facebook, social media, <laughs> right? Yeah, they would go on social media. Um, yes, we have an Instagram and that Instagram is linked to our Facebook. So we have both. We have a TikTok, which is super fun. Um, and this is mainly where we will post updates of events we're having or community outreach activities we're doing. We're also working to build our own website yes. as well. Oh, no. awesome. And then pretty soon you'll have your own vodcast podcast, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're working for that. Um, so um, tell us how else they might reach out to uh, you if a student or somebody wants to get a hold of you. Is there a list of names in your schools to know who these people are in the hallways? Um, so I'm in charge of the Hope Squad at Snow Canyon. And one of the things I'm doing is once we have a list of people who are trained, I would do it early in the year, but... I don't want anyone mishandling a situation that could go poorly. So mm -hmm. after this training that we're having um, in the next few weeks, maybe next week, um, we're going to get a list of all the people who have been trained. And if they're comfortable with it, we're going to put a picture of their face and their socials and their phone number if they're comfortable with it. So that if someone is in crisis, they know exactly who they can reach out to and who can help. Right. How about it? How about at Desert Hills? Do you know any how, how would they get a hold of you there? Um, so we haven't done that yet, but, um, our advisor, she'd be great to get a hold of, um, any counselors there and, um, the presidency of Hope Squad would be great as well. And, and so is there like, when you go onto the Facebook and the social media, just go on to WCYC or Hope Squad? Yes. If it's WCYC, it'll probably be the whole Washington County Youth Coalition or just WCYC. Okay. Well, I'd just like to thank both of you for your time, for the education that you share with us, and all of your dedication to this, because I know you've got to be making a difference. I can tell by the smiles on your face and in your eyes. So thanks so much. Anytime. Yeah, right. And and uh, if just remember, if you or someone you know needs help, to reach out, 988, and, uh, you know, Try to help someone out because we're all in this together. Thanks for watching. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call or text the Suicide Crisis Lifeline at 988 because you matter and there is always hope. This has been a production from a podcast studio.